Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 24th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. This week on the podcast, uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> I, have <to> laugh. <laughs> I have to laugh to start this off because um, we're going to be treading through some waters that I know a lot of people probably won't like, but I feel strongly uh, about what I believe in to not ignore it. So maybe in the cliff notes of the uh, post that we make, we can uh, put a timestamp for people to fast forward through the beginning of this, perhaps. Um, yeah, that might be a safe idea, so they can just skip it if they don't want to talk about it. But uh, I do cover the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they, whether they want to believe it or not, they made a political statement today by accepting the invite to Donald Trump's White House. So we are actually going to lead off with that. Uh, and again, I understand if you don't want to listen to that because you're tuning in for hockey analysis, uh, we'll, we'll try to timestamp that, or you can fast forward through it, and it would be totally understandable. Uh, we will also talk about uh, the slashing penalties that have been called and the league kind of saying, well, maybe we'll dial it back. But also... It is the fourth week of our division preview, so the Metropolitan Division. We will cover the entire division in this podcast as well. So, all that said, yeah, I guess we got to dive in. You know, what's funny when you pulled out the intro and was like, you know, Pittsburgh tried to stay neutral and thus being neutral made a statement. There's My no neutral here. There is no neutral there, here. There isn't. It is a left or a right. It's black or white. It's an up and down. It's either or. Um, my football club over here, Carlton, tried to do the same thing in the marriage equality debate. They tried to stay neutral on it. And like what the president did and the right-wing media did over in the States, they, the, they, the no vote here jumped on the fact that Carlton tried to stay neutral. So with human rights... You can't, you, you can't be neutral. It's an either or. I think you said it pretty well in the article you wrote. In that context, um, yeah, silence is agreement, is the way it's done basically, and that's what Pittsburgh sort of did here. Um, in life, there are so many shades of grey. You know, even when you talk about topics like the one you referenced and well i don't know i don't agree that there are shades of gray with that one but like drug, drug war um you name it like there there are it's not always one or the other very rarely is it but i believe through the actions and words of this uh current american presidential regime regime i, <laughs> I I just don't – inaction is a statement, and inaction uh, presents an opportunity for the uh, Trump supporters to use you as a political pawn. And I've already seen tweets from Fox News and Donald Trump himself politicizing their non-decision. And I know the Penguins don't want 
like they i i truly believe the penguins are trying their best to just be the like this neutral like we, we won well, we won the white house thing is a thing we, we want to go because everybody goes or every you know what i mean but it's yeah, it, you, it, it you, you just can't turn a blind eye to it's so extreme some of the things that have been said and done where you're talking about football players being son of bitches for taking a uh, passive a, kneel a silent knee a silent knee when people are getting ran over by automobiles and they're very fine people on on both sides on both sides yes yeah. no look i watched this from afar and it's and the thing that's great about twitter is that you can watch it in real time and you can see how people react and, and how the president and he's a twitter junkie so you can see how he reacts as as it goes forward and you know whether or not he is a white supremacist or whether or not he's literally just a racist which i don't know which of those two is better or worse well he's well, uh, okay so the answer is yes to both because actions speak louder than words and i have no problem saying that because any rational person who saw the actions of some of these rallies and the murder in charlottesville would would call out that kind of stuff specifically and he did he, yeah, he, he did didn't. not there's no nope. like much like the penguins there's no neutral in white supremacy and like that kind of bullshit yeah and and that's that's the risk you run now is as the franchises wrap themselves in it by by not taking a stance, they've taken one. They've allowed one side or the other to take on board their opinion and and you know brush it over the top of the penguins. And um, it it's frustrating to to see. I mean, hockey's one of those sports where nobody tries to rock the boat. Everybody tries to do the right thing. Everybody tries to. No one swim, swims against the current. And if you do, you get slapped down for it. And it's you, you can't it's, even it's, celebrate goals pretending yeah. your stick's on fire. Let, let, alone, let alone let yeah. alone stand up uh, politically. And here's no. the other part of this, and it's a big part in my opinion. I teach in the inner city, so you can call me biased or whatever, but I, I'm a health teacher and I'm on the front line. And I have great students, and they mean well, and some of them do not have the benefit of coming from wealth. I believe my city is a bottom, geez, is it 5, 10, or 5, poverty in, in the country. Jesus, okay. So, fuck off with the stick to sports. I'm a health teacher. I through my lessons teach empathy tolerance and acceptance so this is not just my personal opinion this is my professional opinion and damned if i'm not gonna you know use the platform that i have with the hockey stuff to preach the values that i teach in my my regular classroom and i'm proud of my students that uh, i have and i'm proud to teach them so I'm I can't I can't do the bullshit stick to sports line. I, I it's just there is no stick to sports anymore, especially with the, this president. 
No, it's yeah, that's that's gone, and I think that especially because of this president, that line will be reeled out, rolled out for quite a lot of. Um, <laughs> he br- he broke down that fake barrier himself. Yeah, and yeah. it was a fake barrier because, you know, I get it. Sports like I'm not watching the Penguins, and I, you know, I, oh gee, the G20 summit's going on. <laughs> like, I get no. it. You you watch sports because you enjoy, I, I love hockey. Obviously, it's a separation. But... It's a separation of worlds. Sports is supposed to be a separation of worlds because, as you said, it's a form of entertainment. When I'm watching the actual games, of course, but in the generality of it all, like you can't separate it anymore. He's literally no. calling out athletes. Yep. On Twitter. If you're gonna get angry, get angry at him. He's literally using his Twitter platform and his presidency to call out specific athletes. Mind you, they all have a similar kind of common denominator. Um, um, They're African-American. Of course they are. So, but here's the other part. And part of me understands why hockey's not on the front line of this. It's obvious. Socioeconomics is the reason hockey is not as popular as the other sports. You are literally shunning. Now, hockey itself is not literally shunning, but the dynamics of hockey are literally shunning very large populations in the United States. It's socioeconomics. Hockey is not cheap. I know my daughters would probably not mind playing hockey, but they're not showing me like a total love of it right now. You're not going to get there and fork out the coin. And, and yeah. me and my wife both have pretty good jobs and that come with, well, we both work in the same school district now. So like the healthcare is, is very good. Like that's one thing as a teacher that I I'm blessed to have in this country is my healthcare is very good. So it's not like I'm paying through the teeth for something like that. We both have very good paying jobs, and we live in Rochester, New York, which is not like a New York City, so our money goes further. And I'm still like, geez, if they're just kind of temperate on their interest, is is it really even worth it? And and I love the sport, and I know all it's done for me, and here I am wishy-washy on whether I should get my kids into it. How do you think the inner city Rochester kid feels about hockey? I mean, like, come on. Yeah. It, it's just set up, not in, not intentionally maybe, but socioeconomics is a true barrier in hockey. And I get it. Why the players, like, you got to think, players that reach the highest level have probably gone to many camps played travel, played very high, like the equipment itself is is besides the point, but to pay into the programs that accelerate you towards and the training that it takes these days to, to, to get to that level, you're probably not dealing with the same bullshit that the NFL and NBA players have dealt with growing up, right? Or am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. It's Hockey's one of those sports that... I think in this country in particular, people would love to watch live. Too expensive for there to be a quality enough product for the sport to develop its own grassroots in. It just doesn't happen. Ignore the the climate barrier. 
it's expensive as all hell to, to get involved with. You've got to get skates, your gear, and all the points you were making about your daughters are the same ones that parents are probably making over here about their, you know, you get a seven or eight or a nine-year-old who suddenly starts taking an interest in the sport. Is it a passing fad where you're going to fork out 1800 bucks for gear over the course of two years? Or... Oh, she'd get used shit for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> it's re- you know, it's really hard to get secondhand gear here. You're literally buying a brand new because there isn't a resource of secondhand. No, well, for you, you're in a totally yeah. like niche, unique environment. But that's why it's not a global sport. That's why it's a Western sport. Yep. And maybe an Asian coming up, but you know they're not doing hockey at the next Olympics, so that's a different topic. But that's for um, <laughs> my oldest is seven. She'll be eight in November. I started uh, I started when I was two, but I didn't apparently take to it. So my parents were wise. They didn't push me. Why spend the money? And uh, I started legitimately at seven. So I know that's probably later than some, but I really enjoyed it at seven. And if you're into it, then. I was into it, and, and I do think my daughters could potentially be into it, but it's such a financial risk that it's tough. I yeah. Like, Dad wants them to play hockey, of course, because I love it, but they're their own people, and I'll let them choose. Well, exactly right. You know, they, uh, the one does gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one is doing travel soccer, and the other one's eating fucking food off the floor every other minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just quickly, if we loop this back around to the players going to the White House, now, Trevor Daly, I remember when this stuff all started coming up, he wasn't a particularly, particularly keen on going to see Trump, if I remember correctly. Now, I know he's playing with Detroit, but would he... It'd be schedule permitting, wouldn't it, for him to go if he wanted to go? Because they don't do this before the start of the year, do they? No, it's February, I believe. Yeah. So I reckon Daly won't go. Well, gee, I wonder why. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's, it's it'll, be interesting. it'll be interesting to see um, Ryan Reeves' opinion on all of this. Yeah, actually, yeah, I forgot about that as well. I, well, that's weird. So, do the new players go when, I can't remember. when they go, or I legitimately... is it just like the the ones that were on the team? Like, that's a weird yeah. dynamic. If you don't do it in the off season, but okay. But it's it's one of the, but his it, team's it, it, making a stand. He's African American yeah, or Canadian, right? African Canadian. I don't know. I don't know where he was born. I didn't. I don't mean to uh, label him like that. My apologies. It's, it's one of the... It, it seems... I find it... It's tough because hockey is a sport where everyone's told not to rock the boat, right? It's just the way they're brought up. You, you, it's a team. It's not about you, all that sort of stuff. But there does come a point in time where as a human being, ignore being a professionally played athlete, where you do feel like you have to take a stand on something. And daily... Um, wasn't scared to voice his opinion on some of the things that were being said when he was at Pittsburgh. So it because like he was a penguin through the through the Republican 
election process and then through the presidential election process. So um, a lot of stuff was said that he got asked about um, and he wasn't particularly big on it. I have a feeling that Ryan Reeves, with some of the stuff that he said uh, while in St. Louis, he probably wouldn't be a particularly big fan of, of Donald either. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything from him, so I can't, will, I can't. No. I don't want to speak for him, but. It will be fascinating to see what happens through this and whether a sport that is 98% Caucasian um, bothers to get involved in it. And you can see the backlash of what happens when you try to be neutral. Well, I don't think Pittsburgh wanted to get hijacked, but they did. Well, you, you, I think it was predictable that you were going to get hijacked in such a highly yep. volatile situation with a president who is going to speak out with, like, he's, he's, he's a, uh, are you familiar with Of Mice and Men, the book? No. That's just a fucking book they make all of us Americans read in high school. Right. Okay. Lenny is slow. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's just um, he just does very reactionary stuff, and I won't spoil the end of the book for anybody. But you know, Lenny makes some mistakes based on reactionary stuff, and I I just think Donald is so simplistic to whether it's you're with me or you're not. <laughs> like that's it. Are you yeah, going to boost my ego or you're not boosting my ego? It's not even negative ego. It's are you boosting my ego or you're not? And if you're not, I'm just going to fucking talk shit about you. And yep. if you are, I'm going to bring my megaphone to the discussion. And with Pittsburgh saying we're coming, that megaphone is out. It, it's out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's already tweeted it. Fox, Fox News is already using it. Again, I need to reiterate that I don't think the Penguins wanted that, but come on, let's let's have some foresight here. You, you are an all-white sport not taking a stand. That is exactly the prey that this president wants. Yep, and that's, I think, what was most frustrating about it is um, by wanting to not get involved, they got involved. By, by not having the spine to go either... You know, I'd be I'd be less upset if they decided, no, we're going to stick with the president, right? How about, took... How about this? How about this? How about this? How about not saying shit today? You have the you NFL in, like, the most, like volatile protesting day that they've had in quite some time with all this stuff yeah. going on and you Why announce it, it at like 11 or 12 right before all the games and the anthems like who the fuck is releasing that like what the fuck you didn't have to decide if you were going to the white house today not doing anything was the right move yeah uh, your uh, message Message sending and, 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 and the timing of said messages is, is like very important. There was important. no reason to wade into those waters today. And let's be clear, the NFL is the shit in the United States public sports spectrum. 
Oh, yeah, it's it. Yeah. And the Steelers are the shit in Pittsburgh most it, during this time of year. Yep. So, actually, I, I do want to say I, um, I respect what the Steelers did today. What did they do? Didn't come out for the anthem. One one player did, and I don't begrudge that player. Good for him for um, using his platform. Uh, th- see, this is a two-way street. Correct. He's using his platform. I'm not going to diss him because he has... Uh, well, I'm not even sure he has a dissenting view. To me. Um, I have no problem with him standing in the, the, the runway with his uh, hand over his heart during the anthem. I say good for him. But I say yep. good for the Steelers because, first off, why are we playing the anthem before these non-international events anyways? We've discussed this before. I fucking hate our anthem. Not, well, yeah, yeah, I can, I can say that. Uh, not only is it shitty on a musical front, but, like, the guy that wrote it owns Slaves, I believe, and I just... I, it, it's a terrible song, and I'm sick of hearing it. Every fucking sporting event that I, I'm a part of, like there's there's no there's no reason for it. I get it at the Olympics, like that's international. Of course, you would play your anthem, and and it, it, your official anthem should be the step you put forward musically, I guess. But NHL, NFL, like I I read something today. NFL players didn't come out for the anthem. Until like maybe a decade ago, because the NFL uh, is taking deals from the U.S. military, yep, to pump up their shit, and yep. oh, stick to sports. Oh well, guess what? The league's like, nope. <laughs> I I did see on Twitter a whole bunch of teams come out and you know say they weren't happy with the president and all those sorts of. Let things. me say <laughs> this, not to interrupt you. I'm so proud of the Buffalo Bills. I can't say that often. And even they won today. <laughs> they 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 beat the Broncos today. I don't know. I didn't watch a minute of that because um, I was busy writing the Trump piece that I wrote, and my daughter had a soccer game, so I went to that. But so proud of uh, Terry and Kim Pagula. The Bills had a great day today. They they spoke out. Their statement specifically named the president. And their biggest star, uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, some people think that him stretching during the anthem was disrespectful. And it's not. It's, it's, It's making a statement on the platform he's given. And anybody who wants to say that protesting during the anthem is anti military or anti country is full of shit. They are anti-police brutality and anti-non-equality. Um, that is what they want to be a part of this country, but actions throughout this country have shown them to not be equal. And, you know, what, what do you yep. want? What do you want from them? To stay silent? Jeez, yes, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali died a few months ago. We celebrated him. Oh, my hey, gosh, Bart Muhammad Bart. Ali. Wow, all the great stuff he did. Well, guess what happened when he was in the now? 
not too much support for him. It's all a bunch of hindsight support. So when we don't support the people protesting now, it's actually in line with how things have been in the past. Right? Yeah, it just the thing that the thing that frustrates me is that it's free speech until it's speech you don't agree with, and then you don't let it have it. Well, it's free speech against the government. That's that's the amendment. Like you can't. Well, I'm not going to use the word. You can't use the N word against somebody else at work and expect you know like nothing to happen. Private companies aren't bound to free speech. Like. Uh, no, we're not dealing with that. You're out. Free speech is uh, government related. You are free to express your opinion in public against the government. So how is it that that's being misconstrued to be, I can say whatever I want to whoever I want, whenever I want? Because we're so who stupid. Started, who started that? Because we're fucking stupid. Okay. Not everybody. I mean, like, everybody has a voice now on the internet, so they all, myself included, think we're entitled. And that's that's a good thing, that everybody has a voice. Where it's not great is that everybody having a voice still don't understand. You don't have it. a voice without consequence. Exactly. Unless you're dealing with the government in a true democracy. Right, so the the biggest the biggest thing for me here in regards to that consequence, right? We're going through the same sex marriage debate over here in that we still haven't legalized it for people of same sex to be able to marry each other. And for some unknown reason our politicians didn't have enough spine to get there and actually do the vote in parliament like they were supposed to. So what happens is that we've decided to send out uh, envelopes to every voter-eligible adult in the country, and there's a tick box. Do you believe that uh, consenting adults should be allowed to get married? Yes or no? And then we send it back. So we're having a we're having a postal survey. It's not compulsory, which is weird because com- voting is compulsory in this country. Um, and so we've got people that are. Um, campaigning for the yes and campaigning for the no are out there trying to push their causes one way or the other. Sounds great until you get there and a lot of the people that are on the no side of the vote are these people that are consistently complaining about their freedom of speech getting washed out. But when somebody gets there and says, I don't want people to get married because I think homosexuality is, is a crime, and people say, well, no, you're wrong, they suddenly get there and go, um, my ability to say what I want is getting silent. It's like, well, no, you've had your ability to say what you want. But people are allowed to have a dissenting point of view, and they are allowed to to push that dissenting point of view out there for other people to hear. Just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean that your point of view hasn't been heard, and it doesn't mean you're not getting the opportunity to, to bring that forward. And it's one of the most frustrating parts about this entire thing that we've got going on over here, we had the AFL, so basically the NFL version over here, um, in regards to the size of the reach that it has, came out and put their support behind the yes vote, and then their headquarters had to get evacuated because of a bomb scare. And you won't hear anybody on the no side get there and say, oh, no, that's not bad, yet 
somebody had butted the ex-prime minister in the head the other day because he's a no-voter, and they were all out screaming blue murder. So you've got to have a little bit of, of rationality about what is and isn't free speech, what you can and can't do, and, and just show a little bit of respect to your fellow human being. Like over here at the moment, we're voting on whether on human rights for people. I'm getting a say in somebody who lives next door to me, their human right to be respected equally, and I don't think that's right. Our parliament should be handling this, but it doesn't mean that I, I treat I should be treating them with any less respect than what I think I deserve as a human. And I suppose it's some of what the the equality issues are that these guys are protesting over in the States. They just want to be treated equally. I don't think that's asking too much. No. And I don't I I do not believe that these players who take a knee, a passive knee, or or any non other nonviolent uh, message, is explicitly stating they are not an American. I believe they would love nothing more than to be considered an American on the same level that a certain population is considered. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> So, I there's no gray area here. There's no stick to sports. There's no there's no anything. If you can't get on board with that, then you're on the other side. I don't want to be on the other side, and I'm not. So I'm going to write I, about it. I'm going to talk yep. about it. I'm going to teach about it. It's it's as I mentioned before, literally my fucking profession to teach about empathy, tolerance, and acceptance. So, am I a hypocrite? You want me to be a fraud? Like, I'm not. I am true to my profession, and I'm being true to how I feel about this. And if you don't like it, I don't care. No, I'm I'm in the same boat. And if you totally if you don't insane. like it on Twitter, the fucking button's in the upper right. I don't want your support. Fuck you. Honestly, I don't want it. I don't want to be associated with someone like yourself. If you're getting offended by what I'm saying right now, I don't want you. At all. I think that's fair enough. And 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 I don't think that's political. I just think it's basic decency. That's the other thing. I don't think this is political at all. This is basic decency. Talk about golden rule. Talk about how the right is Christian. Yeah. You think Jesus be down with a bunch of this shit? I have to admit, that frustrates me the most out of all of this stuff. Because a lot of this stuff comes from religion. And if you get there and you lob it all the way back to... To, you know, Jesus, how he was all about inclusion and about helping the oppressed. It's like, well, what the hell's going on here? This is the complete reverse of what my understanding of the Bible was. And it's like, Jesus. <laughs> the way this guy's written in this book, I don't think you quite understand. Well, they've chosen not to. That's the thing that, that drives me nuts the most is, is, you know, as with all history, history is always written by those that win. So they can always wipe out the stuff that they don't want you to know about, right? 
So this this Bible was written and rewritten by men for centuries. It's like basically women didn't exist because of this book. Certain kind Look of how long, What? Yeah, and you, you get there with it, and it's like, how long did it take for women to get equal rights, and how hard was it for them to get the right to vote? Okay, so I live in Rochester. I'm sure people out there have heard of Susan B. Anthony. She was on the, the front lines of women getting a right to vote. She died before women got the right to vote. And I'm sure you saw, well, maybe not <laughs> you in Australia, but uh, at least the American listeners saw the uh, video of people putting I I voted today stickers on Susan B. Anthony's grave here in Rochester. Like that was a big thing oh, no, with, cool. with Hillary Clinton being the first female, legitimate female uh, candidate for the presidency. Uh, I didn't need to throw legitimate in there. She she was the first. <laughs> she was the first female candidate, and you know Rochester has Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony, and I'm proud to say that. Although Donald Trump still thinks Frederick Douglass is a living human being. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been dead. For, for a little bit. The, the, the thing that I think frustrates me with the whole Trump phenomenon is that it's it, it's not just happening with what goes on in your country; it bleeds to ours. Yeah, that's the you thing know? about being a um, a superpower, whether we like it or not. It, it, you're not. It's not isolated. What he does uh, encourages other people to speak out on things that you know. It might be, we might be able to turn it into a positive in the long run over here, but it, people come out of the woodwork and start saying stuff that you thought this country had got past and it obviously hadn't, you know? And, and hopefully, because we're a smaller population and um, we don't seem to be quite as polarised as what the United States are in regards to being a blue voter and being a red voter... Um, Hopefully we can have enough people in that middle ground that we can sort of pat down the the tinders of hatred and racism and supremacy that we have in this country as well. Because if it keeps going, if he lasts his four years, and then heaven forbid, <laughs> it's if he fu- lasts, it's funny we're not even a year into this, and, and that's the and heaven discussion. Forbid, heaven forbid he lasts his eight. I would hate to think what having that kind of megaphone would do for um, equality and respect in this country because we have a lot of little pockets in this country that are just starting to poke their head out of their hole again and i'm like this is this is not great so whenever a, a, a sporting club or a sporting institution gets involved in politics you can usually assume that it's because something's happened close to somebody in that club and you know we still haven't got an actively an active AFL player come out and say that they're gay in the men's. We have in the women's. For some unknown reason, it's acceptable in the women's league to do it. But for the men, there is no way that you have 17 teams by 35 player, 17 teams by 35 listed players that in the population percentage, there is no way somebody in that group is not homosexual. And the fact that they don't have the confidence in their teammates or the, the structures around them to be safe doing that says a lot. Well said. I don't want to beat beat the horse too much, so. Do we want to move on? 
<laughs> I'll say this. I'm, I'm proud of what both of us just said. And I stand by all of it. And I'm glad we said it. And we'll timestamp this. But um, I don't regret any of it. And thank you to you. And thank you to the people that didn't fast forward through. I, I think it's uh, it's not stick to sports. This is real shit. And it deserves to be given a platform. So, uh, yeah. Well said. Let's move on to some hockey, eh? Yeah, let's uh, shit talk the NHL now. Well, it's not hard to do that because they do a very good job of giving us topics to shit talk them on. Yeah, like hockey is for everyone and you can play. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That. Sorry, and we just did a whole there's, thing. All right. There's that, um, and there's that and then there's the penalty minutes increasing and they're freaking out and deciding to roll back on the slashes. Okay, so I'm going to admit right now, the preseason isn't my thing. I hate writing about it. I don't. I don't enjoy overreacting to small samples. Uh, I, I, I only watched, uh, I think, ten, maybe 10 minutes total of the whole game of Buffalo and Toronto, the night that Austin Matthews played, and the Sabres iced even a shit lineup for them. So, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> relative. Yeah, relative. Well, not not even relative. It, it was a bad lineup. I didn't even uh, like. I'm thinking like, oh, future Amherst. I don't know any of the names, so I don't care. And as I'm as we are talking right now, Pittsburgh is actually icing a, a pretty awesome lineup for the preseason with Crosby, Malk, and Latang and Kessel. That would, you know, that that's a rare bird to to have that kind of lineup well, doing this instead. <laughs> I, I, I can't um I can't remember a, a preseason lineup with Sid and Gino in it. Uh, they almost flipped. always separate them. And I don't blame them for it. So I haven't watched much. So I don't know much about the face off bullshit that's going on. I'm assuming it's how their feet are angled or something like that no basically what happens is that if someone gets tossed that's the warning if the person screws up again they get a penalty so what's the problem the problem is that the players aren't adjusting and there's penalties left right and center so they're blaming the officials for making it like basketball whistle on whistle off whistle on whistle off it's like well stop cheating in the circle pretty simple and it's not even the it's not even the guy on the dot that's causing the second infraction it's the guys cheating in and they're the ones that are getting burnt so basically they're just holding the the rule book to a standard that has as you and i have said many a times has just slowly fallen off and fallen off and fallen off bit by bit to the point where it's garbage you know so instead of just slowly but surely progressing it back up you have to go back to the top of the waterfall you have to get back to the top of the cliff so you don't cares about the preseason exactly set that set that motherfucking standard do it right set it high as well set it high because you know when the season starts it'll drop a little bit it's just natural and i'm okay with a natural drop hey it's the art of the deal right yep i don't go back there (laughs) Um, (laughs) no um yeah i know what you're saying the slashing stuff yeah call it 
Who cares if there's 12 power plays? Yeah, it's going to look ugly for the short term. Have a long-term vision for crying out loud. Um, instead of adjusting to, oh, my God, there's too many penalties. How about the players wise up? That, I think, to me, is the, the frustrating thing. Like, you hear Brad Marchant go, oh, the new face-off rule's garbage. And it's like, well, no, it's not. It's what the rule should be. It's It's been in the rule book like that for ages. Just nobody's applied it. So I'm, you, I'm, I'm, I, I don't care about face-offs. I care about the attitude, though. It's the attitude to it that bothers me. Like, That's I care what... about the slashing and the hooking and the holding stuff. Now, I agree with you. Like, I have no problem with them cracking down on the face-offs, and I'm not really worried about uh, the players that can't adjust to it. But, like, to, to group the slashing in with the face-off stuff is... Silly. Yeah, I, I just... Yep. Yeah. So the other thing that's that's funny is that a lot of the special comments guys who are ex-players, and I'm going to single this guy out because I think he's a dick, Kiprios gets there and goes, you've got to be able to use your stick to hold and slow someone down in front of the net. And it's like, why? Why do you have to be allowed to do that? If they out-position you, if they get body position on you, you've either got to be good enough to just push them out of the way with your sheer brute strength, or you've got to be a good enough skater to skate around in front of them. None of this hooking and holding them, that's, no, no. And it's people like him that, that allow the league to, to get away with it because it's like, well, back in my day, I had to skate through it. Well, back in your day, hockey was shit because it was the freaking mid-90s. Exactly. So, so don't, don't, let, don't let the commentators allow the, allow the league to draw it back to the garbage that we've seen. You know, the, having the weird having a weird season like this, like we did after the lockout, you could end up with a really weird Stanley Cup final because of it. So there aren't there aren't negatives to this. You end up getting skilled players either getting more space five on five, which is what you and I both want, or you end up with more power players where the skilled players are on the ice more often anyway. So I, that works. Out I well. don't want a power play fest. Like I, oh, I know want that. that to be clear. But I know I'm okay with a power play fest if it means players aren't ain't learning. Like, okay. It's not ideal, but guess what else isn't ideal or less ideal? The bullshit that's going on now. Yep. No, and that's that's the thing. It's it was really frustrating when John Shannon came out with the um with the tweet the the refs have been told to to lay off um the the slashing calls and the face-off. So the face-off one, I'm like, if there was, if you had to pick between one of those two things to lay off on, the face-off, yes. But the slashing, don't lay off on that. And then later on he clarified he meant the slashes to the, the shin guards and the knees and stuff like that. But the slashes to the hands, they still want to be red hot on those. So um, a bit of communication from the NHL officials to the fans and to their teams of, of, of refs would be much better than having it leak out from John Shannon in three tweets. Yeah. So I, uh, I'll believe it <laughs> when I see it with the, with the standard, I, I hope they keep it up. I'm, I've been very consistent about this. I yep. hope they keep it up. I want to see awesome players do awesome things. Every other sport seems to, to want that. 
I, I just don't see a need to, to placate the, the lowest common denominator in all of this. And I don't know much more to add about it. I I, I just call, call the shit. Yep. You don't need to make nets wider. I do agree that goalie equipment shrinking should be a thing, even though well, they can't seem to quite figure that one out. Oh, well, we've had so. two years, and, uh, yeah. well, you know, I can't. We, we haven't done it yet. Um, fuck you for that. So that's that's one. But I can live with that if you just call the sport the way it's supposed to be called. Because the goals will take care of itself with open flowing. And the teams that can't get it and the teams that employ guys that can't skate are going to be penalized, as it should be. And in the short term, it may be ugly, but in the long term, it will be beautiful. It's... the. It's really funny when you excuse me when you see the the long the long photo lens shots of the goalies standing in front of the net right before the game starts and they're they're just getting set up. There is an awful lot of net there to shoot at even now even with the goalies the size that they are. There is a lot of net there, and if you can actually allow the players to make goalies move left to right or from the the goal line out to the top of their crease, there are gaps there to shoot into, and the players are good enough to get there. It's really hard to do those sorts of things, though, when you're getting hooked and held down. The goalies might not even need to have their equipment changed if the rules on the ice are called as they should be. So you oh, no, I want both. I want both. No, I'm, a greedy, I, I'm a greedy fully, motherfucker. I want both. Fully hey, ask for it all, because you know this league gives you very little. So you might as well ask for the lot and see how much you can get back. Art of the deal. Art of the deal. <laughs> so, so it's... it's it's frustrating to me when you can see that, you know, net nets can be can be opened up if the players are allowed to actually do stuff. So let the players do stuff. The last thing you want to do is change the dimensions of the sport that have been pretty consistent for a long time, because you'll get there and you'll start having asterisks next to, you know, next to um, records when they're broken. Oh, this is in the era of the wider nets, or this is in the era of the higher nets. You know, you don't need to do that. Just make it so that the penalties are called. And I don't think there's anything worse than an ex-referee saying, oh, they just want cookie-cutter referees that have no feel for the sport. It's a lot of garbage. You need cookie-cutter referees so that every goddamn player knows exactly what's going to happen at any given moment. A hook is a hook. It doesn't matter whether he's coming out of the zone and it doesn't affect his skating stride. A hook is a hook. None of this, oh, there was no advantage gained by hooking him fucking whatever his goddamn name is on the internet. He's one of the reasons the game's the way it is. Jesus. Who? Oh, what's his name? Oh, it's one of the official, ex-officials I used to follow. Frazier? Yeah, Kerry Frazier. Fucking man. I'll tell you what, I golfed uh, in a tournament a few last weekend. Yeah. Some of the lies that I got, I wish I... I wish it had landed on top of his quaff instead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a magical head of hair. You're not going to hear me argue that point. But his attitude towards what officiating should be is exactly why the league is where it is right now. You see it, you call it. Don't have a, a thought process of, oh, was it actually an advantage gained by doing it? You see a hook, you call a hook. You see a slash, you call the slash. Yeah, it's not it's not complicated. There's no need to complicate this sport. It's very complicated. 
they complicated themselves. Correct. And I, I saw it. You see it everywhere. Best sport in the world, worst sport, worst sport run. Best sport, worst league, I believe yeah. is the... Yeah, uh, I believe that's the, the English way of trying to say it, not the Cameron way of trying to say it. Jesus. Oh, do you okay. want to do this preview? Okay, let's, uh, I'd say, get positive, but I think we're going to start at the bottom of the Metro. Uh, who do you reckon's lost? And I'll <laughs> proudly say who's at the bottom of the Metro. Sorry, Todd Cordell. <laughs> uh, I think you might. No, be right. I. You know what though? I think they've um, the team we're about to talk about. I think uh, Ray Shero has actually done some good things. I love his number one overall pick. Uh, I know that Nolan pa- Patrick and uh, is it Nico Hershier or Hershier? Hershire? I. I oh, I it's Hershire. Yeah. I don't is it Hershire? I don't know. I thought it was. That's how I've read it. I've not actually heard it spoken, so I'm not confident. You you, you can certainly tweet me about not pronouncing it right, and I'm not going <laughs> to care. I don't mean any disrespect, so I actually think he – I saw a preseason highlight of one of his goals, and it was mint. Yeah. No, like no, top, he's... top end talent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about the Devils. Yep. Devils are the bottom, right? Unfortunately for them, yes. I mean, it's it's tough. They've got some really, really good pieces, but there's such a big gap between their, their good and their bad. There's just there's no depth there. And they are in a tough division. You know, there are teams in front of them that have gotten better, as well as, you know, just having Nico in the team. You know, has made them better. But it's not enough. You know? Yeah. I mean, they um, won the they they won the whole trade, but they still they still have a sucky decor. Well, that was just one piece in the puzzle, and I know. and it's a great piece. Uh huh. But they were coming from a, a a spot of complete dog shit, and I'm. I'm totally okay with the Devils being interesting. In fact, I will root for them to be interesting. I just, in my lifetime, haven't been given that chance. <laughs> Even well, when they were it winning. It, do, it does help that... It does help that um, Lou Lamorello has left. Yeah, but Marcus Johansson trade is awesome. Good for yeah. them. Taylor Hall trade, get the fuck out of here with that value. Like, that's absurdly good. Nico. I'm just going to call him Nico. I don't want to yep. piss people off. Nico is a great pick. I think um, Pavel Zaka, his potential. The defense core, though, is a mess. And, the, and Corey Schneider. Is not young. Is awesome, but. Probably won't be awesome when these um, young players are making their peak con- contributions. So um, my, I suppose my big question here is: is that he's 31, Schneider, right? So if you wanted to get top value for him on that contract, because it's another five years, it's five years including this at six mil, right? You want to trade him off to a team that's trying to contend. You want to get back young assets. Now, is the call against doing that being that Schneider can really stop these, these, some of these young players from getting blown out? Because instead of them being, you know, 6-4 games, they might be 
you know, four two games and stuff like that because of Schneider. How much value do you put in the fact of not getting beaten by a stack every night? I I don't place any value in their they're they're in a they're in a rough division. They're in a tough division. I know. That's the other part of it. Like they may like not. There is a great chance that the record is worse than their actual talent, based on the um, division they're in. The the, the the division schedules, yes. So yeah. I don't know how you like when you look at this division. Is there any other candidate for the bottom? I'd have said the Islanders. Oh, okay. Well, they're my second worst, so. Yeah. That, that it, it's just one of those things where if everything goes wrong for New York in regards to a couple of injuries to certain players, they're going to be in a free fall. So, um, and, and not just Tavares. No, 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 no. So do Only we want to jump to yeah. seventh? Okay. Um, Devils? Like where they're going, not there at all yet. Lose no. as many games as you can and uh, get that number take, one. Stuck take more too. talent. But uh, the Islanders, uh, like, yeah, Jordan Everly. Pretty good value for that trade, in my opinion. Yeah. But if I'm John Tavares, I'm just like, fucking, I'm I'm out of here. Like, sorry, that speaks into the this not speak out. I need to put my head down. Like, if he signs with the Islanders, that's just pathetic. Well, then you I, know stop I, I know I'm pissing a lot of people off with that, but like, what is the actual selling point for John Tavares to, to hitch his wagon for his entire career to the Islanders? You know what, if you'd asked that question two years ago, I, you could see where they were going with it, but they've just made some, I would say, I was going to say interesting, but I would say bad decisions with roster choices, to be honest, and, and not committing to a particular path. The, the roster's all like, the age of this particular this year's roster is all over the place. Like, Tavares is technically out of his prime now. He's 27 this year. Well, so I don't want to... Be I don't want to uh, corner some of these players w- with the age regression because I think a guy like John Tavares rises above it. So what's your definition of rising above it? Are you expecting him to score more points this year than he has ever? No, no. I agree with you on that. I don't disagree with you on, on staying true to the 24 to 26 thing. I just think that um, maybe sometimes when we talk about it, it's a little too strong in the sense that these guys are still really good. They are. My point being is I don't expect to see to all you Sid and Gina. I don't expect to see those two guys score the points they had previously ever again. Right. Oh, but, no. no Sid but Gina, we're gap, getting 120 points next year. They're calling <laughs> slashing there. Okay. So let's, Okay, let me frame this into the context. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I know you're being a smartass, but you get there and it's like the Joe Thornton's fall-off from when he was at his absolute peak to what he was before last year, the slide was so flat. It was such a flat drop-off. And then all of a sudden, he's, we may have seen that decline finally on Joe, but Joe is 400 years old. 
You're allowed to have that drop-off. I don't think we'll see Tavares score more than he ever has again. And they need but, that. Yeah, they do. But what they will get from him is something that's pretty fucking close to it. And they will get that. Whoever gets him, whether it's the Islanders or beyond, between the ages of 27 to 35, the next eight years, I don't think you're going to see a discernible drop-off from that top-end stuff. He might be five or ten points below it. And if you get a year where he absolutely scorches it and gets one or two points above his best, then, you know, you've struck gold. But I just can't see him having a, a drop-off, like a, a precipitous drop-off that would be damaging to you. You run that risk with Ovi, that might be the case. And when that does happen, that's going to be problematic for Washington. But, you know, Ovi's shown that he's been a ridiculously good um, goal scorer over the course of his career. So as you said to me last week, until it happens, you bank on it not happening with players like that. And and that's the thing with Tavares. You're not going to get any more out of him than you already have points-wise. What you are going to get out of him is going to be pretty bloody close to the best he's got. Yep. And it, and they ride and die on him. <clears throat> Which is risky because there's nothing else to back him up, really. Don't get me it? wrong. I think Jordan Eberle with him is – I look forward to seeing that, like – in those specific shifts, thank you for giving him somebody <laughs> competent to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. But when you look down the roster, Boy Chuck and Letty, those were great trades, but they were win now trades, and they didn't win now, and they're aging. Letty's all right. Letty's 26. By the end of that contract, that's okay. But Boy Chuck's 33. Yeah, Man. I meant, I, I, I stand corrected. I guess I meant more Boychuk. But they What's got Pollock and Calvin DeHaan. Uh, they they paid a pretty steep price to, to keep that. Yeah. But, but they're in the wrong division. Yeah, you're not wrong. Love to see uh, Shane Prince and Steve Gianta do well. I'd like that's to see extremely. Prince, I, I, but that's extremely biased. Um, They're local boys, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. And I, you know, Steve. Steve was my. Uh, he was a year younger, but we used to scrimmage against each other. And he, he is a good dude. And Shane Prince, I don't know personally, but I'm proud of Rochester talent moving. Uh, actually, my dad's best friend is his uncle. So. Oh, cool. I was uh, I like seeing like seeing the local talent do well. A little Rochester flavor there, but uh, I'm not going to predict success for the team. No, so, I'm not either. Who have you got next? Who do you have next? I think we'll be the same here too. Yeah, I do too. I've got Philly. Yep, and and close. They're, they're I like some. I like ready. some of the younger talent on Philly. Um, I'm not yeah. anti Philly here. It's just again the division is a son of a bitch, yeah. and I also think that Claude Giroux has dropped off quite significantly. And I know they're going to play him at left wing, so that may lessen the burden for you know what his responsibilities are. But for a guy that took the baton from Sidney Crosby. You, you know, you know that's unfair on him because it's not. No, it's not order. on him. It's not on him. Oh, I, I don't mean it like that. I, I, I mean it at the the writer. I know, but 
you know, Voracek's great. Couturier's a good player. I got mosquitoes biting me. Fucking garage <laughs> life. That's what happens Fucking garage life. You know what? Today was the hottest day of the year in Rochester. September, what is it, 24th? Yeah. Global warming's not real. Um, the, it's the defensive... But they you got know, rid of Shen for Laterra. I don't think that's an upgrade. There's nothing no, here that screams playoff team. No, but they're bad Maybe competitive. everybody's getting excited about. Gus Despair's good. You know what? Radko Gudis, underrated. Even though sometimes he crosses the line. I think that his impact on the game is generally more positive than negative. It's what makes From it so what? frustrating when he loses his head. Provorov? Provorov? Provorov. Provorov is young, only going to get better. Like him as a player. Brian Elliott? I don't have too much of a problem with that. I don't see a huge drop-off from Steve Mason. Neuverth, great backup. But, again, division. Yeah, does the mean... Honestly, I would try to trade Giroux. I know I've said this on the podcast before, but by the time the Flyers are competitive, Giroux ain't going to be worth the shit for his $8 million contract. No. Or Voracek, for that matter. No, both of them are on the downward slide anyway. They're both past 27. and But they do have Nolan Patrick. Don't know if he'll play for them this year. I That's, that's a, you know, they did not finish second worst in the NHL, but they did get probably the second best player in the draft. That deserves mention. Yeah. It, so. it, it certainly will help them move forward quicker because theoretically he's the Giroux replacement really on the number one line so it takes that load off off Giroux when he when he becomes the regular center so I don't have too much to add on Philly maybe maybe they surprise but uh, you know I'm not going to predict that here's where I think we may um, have a differing point of view yeah, because I'm flip flopping on this one myself. Who okay. have you got? Who have you got fifth? Uh, the Rangers, and it's not because oh, I hate him. Oh, okay. So it's not because I hate him. It's it's just that um, the team I'm going to talk about next, I think, has done it has made some changes in that they can compete now. So yep. Henrik Lundqvist is at risk of regression at the age he's at. I'm not predicting regression, but you have to be at least somewhat open to it. You've got to pray that it doesn't happen. Rick Nash is in that um, same conversation. Still think both are really good players, but sometimes it falls off quick at the, bonus, at the ages. The bonus for New York, if he does fall off, he doesn't have a contract next year, so... They can walk away from that 7.8 if he does have the regression, if it happens. But I like Zabina Jad. I like Kreider. I like Zuccarello. I like Miller. I like Hayes. I love the Shattenkirk signing. I love Girardi not being there. Maybe maybe I am lowballing them. You know what? 
maybe I will flip them with with the team I'm about to talk. I it's between them and Carolina for me. So um, I'm open to people telling me that the Rangers will finish ahead of Carolina. I am open to that. I'm just um, bullish on Carolina. So they they do have some things working for them. The, the Girardi thing is huge. They were playing yeah. him legitimate minutes, and he's gone. Yeah, it's screwing their cap a little bit, but I think McDonough, Shattenkirk, and, and, and Brendan Smith, and, and Brady Shea is such a huge upgrade on the top four. He didn't even mention Mark Stoll playing as a fifth or sixth defenseman, which is where he should be. It's pricey, but it's appropriate. And, you got, and you're right. You've got to try and ignore the cap hit for where they play them. We discussed this, I think, with Tyler Myers, didn't we? It's the same sort of thing. You don't play Mark Stoll as a first or second pairing defenseman just because of his cap hit. Play him as a third pairing and get more out of him in the lesser minutes. Don't worry about the fact that it's 5.7 as a fan. You've just got to get there and go, where's he best suited? Five or a six, leave him there. So I'm willing to flip the Carolina uh, Rangers thing right now. No, I'm not. So, Oh, you're going to keep Rangers five? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, bullish. I'm bullish on the Hurricanes. All right, so not to shortchange the Rangers, but um, – I like the, uh, you know, we didn't mention Jimmy VC, which is a nice depth kind of. I mean, they lost Derek Stepan, and they traded for the seventh overall pick, which probably isn't going to help them this year. But I don't a, even remember who the seventh overall pick was. So that's a very unranges like kind of move, that. Normally they're giving away the seventh pick to bring in an aging person. They've done the reverse there. So, I, hey, they have Henrik Lundqvist, and if he plays up to his ability, and the defense, I believe, is improved, and the, and the forward depth is fine, they 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 could jump in this division. I'm not ignorant to that. I'm just placing them fifth based on some other things. This is not the easiest division to pick, and nope. we're not going to get it right. I I. I don't believe we're going to get right. I hope we do, but <laughs> I'm not going to like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got it wrong. Eh, well, you know, you put yourself out on a limb on limbs that are flimsy. You're going to break off sometimes. Definitely. And no, that's how I, I like feel this, about this. I like this Carolina team. I like it a lot. Um, and I like it more so because Cam Ward is not going to play 60 games. That's a big difference. They've been getting shitty goaltending for years. Yeah. So, they've been trying to climb this division, but they've been artificially held down by Cam Ward. So if Scott Darling is just average, right? He doesn't even have to be above average for this particular version of the Carolina Hurricanes to finally make the playoffs. Well, they, they, they do need other things to go right for them. But yes, average goaltending will go a huge way towards them competing. And Jordan Stahl, 
when you give them legitimate wingers, will actually produce offense at even strength. He is so grossly underrated, and you may not think the $6 million price tag is is valid for him. Oh, no, he's worth every penny. But his quality of teammate has been fucking bullshit for most of his career. Now, I don't think Matt Cook and Tyler Kennedy are bad players. But the one year he was with Malkin, he scored 30. It was his rookie year. He doesn't get any power play time, or at least with Pittsburgh. In Carolina, if you look at his uh, in RIP hockey analysis, <laughs> when I used to look at that for um, minutes with people, I'd look at the minutes of his um, teammates. I'd just shake my head like, you invested in this guy? And this is what you're fucking giving him? And it's not like, oh, he needs two other great wingers. It's like, how about you don't give him complete dog shit on both? And last year was the first year they kind of like, you know, well, here's a little something. And he was performing as a legitimate top six center at even strength. Love Jordan Stahl. Love I just him. like the way he plays his hockey. But this, this roster's finally deep enough now. Jeff Skinner, Justin Williams, uh, Elias Lindholm. Lee Stempniak is a depth guy, is a good guy. Uh, Sebastian Aho. But the defense is good. This 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 back six that they've got listed now could all move the puck, all of them. They don't have anybody there that's that's a slow horse. So they can all wheel it if they have to with their own skates, or they can actually make a good breakout pass. So this team is not going to get stuck. I would be surprised if they get stuck in their own zone. I would be surprised if they turn it over at the blue line often to create second opportunities for the the opposing team. The, they, they feel to me like a young version of the much-vaunted uh, Nashville Predators defense. They just don't have the name recognition yet. And Hayden Fleury is another one that's not even on the list I'm looking at right now. Maybe he takes a step. Can't pretend to be a Carolina prospect expert, but uh, he was drafted pretty high. And... You know, is he the next Derek Pouliot for them, or is or is he going to contribute? So, yeah, uh, it's it, it's an exciting. What I like is that they built this without tearing it tearing it down. They just slowly drafted well, and um, hired Ron Francis and Eric Tolsky. Usually helps having those two brains on top of it. So. You know, I don't think I don't think we agree with number three. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? I got Pittsburgh. Oh. Okay. We'll we'll save them for the end. Uh, I I do not agree. I have Columbus there. Oh really? I have Columbus winning the division. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we have that flipped. So hey, guess what? Washington's second. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Sell me on Columbus. All right, so I reckon Tortorella's still going to be able to work his magic. This will be the last year before it falls apart, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think 
Panarin's a better offensive producer than Saad. And I think throwing him into a system with Tortorella means that Panarin's shortcomings will be neutered a little bit. Um, but I just, will his output be also? You see, that's that's the thing. I don't think it, it will be. Everything that I've read from Tortorella, um, that I've seen from Tortorella, makes me think that he's going to be a little bit more Tampa Bay Tortorella, which is safe as death. Um, and if that holds, then I, I think Panarin will be fine to be able to produce the way you would expect it, would, would want him to produce. They, I can't, I don't think it's, for me, I suppose it sits on Bobrovsky. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you get playoff Bob from last year, they're stuffed, but I don't think they will. And, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of Jack Johnson, but I'm a massive fan of Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. So... Yeah, but Jack Johnson um, in a non-premier role can be useful, I believe. Yeah. Like Ryan his skill Murray, set is not vapid. Like, uh, and and Ryan Murray just needs to be healthy to prove that he was worth uh, the whatever. I don't know. Draft pick he was. So if he I actually, think I th- I think the Ryan Murray thing, like, didn't the Islanders offer their whole draft up? Yeah, that's gonna yeah, stay yeah, yeah. for a bit. I just oh, don't think we've seen what Ryan Murray could be because he's never healthy. So if he gets healthy, whatever he is this year is what he is. So if he ends up being fantastic, then good luck to Columbus. If he ends up being meh, well, he's an RFA at the end of the year and they still have leverage. Yeah, but to... you can't have meh at number two. No, but I think... Like he, you, I don't think you, purposely, you purposely fuck up like the Sabres to get number two. Oh, no, that's true. Correct. No, no, no. You, the, the, yeah, the drafting of that is, yeah. yeah. I get what you mean. That's, But it's like, it's like, um, oh, what's the name of that goddamn guy? You know what, you know what the Columbus name? drafting Ryan Murray at two is like? Me pouring vodka in my cup right now and realizing that I forgot to bring out my cooler with ice and a mixer. It's like, I had great ideas. But <laughs> But shit, now I'm stuck with this. If Pierre, if Pierre Luc Dubois, <laughs> if, look, if Pierre Luc Dubois makes the team, I don't like I'll, that pick either. <sighs> and I'm not say, a prospect guy, so whatever. I just think that this team is from Lo- top to bottom. There isn't a massive gap. I love Cam Atkinson. Boone Jenner. Brandon, du- Brandon Dubinsky is a good player. Pittsburgh fans don't like him, but he's a good player. He's not, he doesn't shut down Sid per se, but he's not a bad player. He's a net positive. Sonny Milano, interested in that prospect. Uh, Nick Felino, bad contract, good player. Like they're in a win now. Yeah. Wenberg, they, they paid quite a price for him. Um, you know, but Seth Jones and Wierenski, that's that's really good. And Bobrovsky has been a dog in the playoffs, but he's a good goalie. I can just I, the reason I put Columbus where I have them. I, I'm that, not going to argue strongly against you. It's no, just, it's because obviously both of us think Washington will have a drop off, and I just don't think Pittsburgh are going to. I think they're going to have a couple of patches through the year where they hit a wall, and they're going to lose games. I think that's the um, 
I think that's valid for any team. So for me with Columbus, it's like I just don't think I don't think they've fallen far enough off from last year's very productive team. And I think the other two teams have fallen off a bit. That's all. So Columbus is number one by the two best words of the English language, default. Okay. You know, you make good points. Uh, I think we agree on number two. Yeah. Yeah. So Washington, like they were the best team in the NHL last year. It didn't shake out that way in the playoffs, but like when you build a roster, they were the best in my opinion. Yeah, they're so shallow now, though. Yeah, it it did happen, but they still have an awesome goalie, and they yes. still have talented players. Yes, and the, and their defense isn't horrible. It could have been less horrible, but but, but they're paying a premium. You know. Yeah, in the wrong spots. So Niskanen, Orlov, Carlson is good. Yep. Their forwards, you know, it took a little bit of a hit. You've got Kuznetsov, who used the KHL to rob them blind, but he's still on the team. Backstrom is still awesome. I love Nicholas Backstrom. Ovi, oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's not going to be like late aughts Ovi, but he's still going to be really good. He is. Burakovsky I'm really super excited for. I think he's going to I think he's going to jump up and be a, a star in the league. The thing that annoys me Somebody about... showed a gift the other uh, night. He did that little backhand toe drag through his legs. Yeah, and, it was great. Um, it was great, but and it didn't amount to anything, but like time and space with that kind of player, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, no. you know what I mean? Like, he's showcasing, hey, you give me an inch, I'm going to take five feet, even if it doesn't amount to the specific play. And um, I know, they, they, they lose Justin Williams. TJ Oshie's still there, though. And while the contract is complete shit, we are previewing the 2017-18 uh, season. You know? Yep, I mean, it's, it's, how, it's how you have to look at it. Because that's they, they bought those all of those years for the next two, I think. Their best chance was last year, but that doesn't eliminate the um, opportunity they have in 2017-18. Trading yep. Marcus Johansson for a whatever draft pick, that sucks, man. And lose it does. It does. Nate Schmidt for nothing as well. Yeah, right. Nate Schmidt. That'd be a nice piece to round out the top four. Yeah. Yeah, it's... you know, I we both have him second, but I could see him falling. I I, I do it. I do second basically on the. I have respect <clears throat> for it for the talent. Yeah, but, but and Barry Trotz as a as a coach, I, I respect that he can adjust what needs to be done for a team that can't produce offense like it used to. I, that's the, the thing for me. If the, you're ever going to have a coach that needs to adjust 
to a roster that's got less goal scoring ability, I would trust Trotz to be that that sort of a coach. To be honest, um, he should be able to shore them up in areas where they, you know, could get torn apart and not be able to score to catch up. So, um, I don't think Ovi's done. A lot of people seem to want to think that he's oh, done. Well, I, let's I, define I, done. Done as a megastar, perhaps, but not done as an effective hockey player. No, no, I still reckon he'll score 30. And in this day and age, unless we do get that wonderful explosion of offense, 30 is a stack. Okay, great point. If they actually call penalties, Ovi will be awesome. Yeah. He's a big body, healthy. um, I don't think he's a slow skater right now, per se. I don't think he's um, quite knocking the miles per hour off it that, that he used to. But if you reach in on Ovi and he powers through, but if he powers through and draws a penalty, there's a big difference in value there. Mm-hmm. So I I hope it's called that way. Guys like Ovi should be able to flourish. You You're so. talking about an all-time great, in my opinion. That motherfucker shoots the puck better than anybody I've ever seen. And I've seen him shoot that thing in person. Yeah, I know, one-piece sticks, whatever. But holy shit. (laughs) Fucking puck is like a fucking laser beam off his stick. And uh, what was it? It was in Buffalo, and Ryan Miller was up to the task. Like, he made those saves on a power play. It was amazing. And... I was in the uh, 200 level, so I had a pretty good vantage point on it. Yeah. You know who else made me feel that way? James Neal's snapshot. Holy cow. That thing was mint. Say what you will about him, but that puck flies. His release is ridiculous. (laughs) And I so respect, like, yeah, I can appreciate that kind of talent. So... If they call penalties, the Capitals start looking pretty Better. okay. Yeah. And you, you then run with that coin flip of are they going to stop calling them in the playoffs because that's what they do no matter what the year is. So well, if it comes... another guy that we haven't mentioned. Um, uh, the Surface Pro is giving me trouble. Another Garage Life podcast. <laughs> Oh, Jacob Vrana. He might step in and take the... Um... What the fuck's his name? Johansson. Like, they have a very talented guy that's about to step in. So. And they have and they have Nathan Walker. I think he's actually going to make the opening day roster from the looks of it. Nathan Walker? I know the nothing Aussie. about. The Aussie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'll root for him. Well, I, I think the, all the hockey community over here is. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Nate Walker. Is he young? Oh, I think he's 23 now. Uh, he's old. No, I'm he is. No, he, he's <laughs> in the context of, of making a roster. Oh, there he is. He's on there. He's a forward? Yep. Wigger. Nate Walker, I'm in your camp. 
Go, baby, go. <laughs> All right, so... Yeah. Let's end this with the team that started the podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't love putting them uh, at the top because they literally don't have a competent bottom six center right now, and that's kind of a big deal considering that, you know, yeah, Sid has had his head issues and he's been healthy lately, but Gino usually misses a chunk of time. At least a quarter of the year. They've lost some uh, defense help. You know, I'm not in love with Trevor Daly as a top four defenseman, but, you know, he'd be out there a lot. And I replaced him with Matt It remains to be seen that Ali Mata in, I'll say this, his preseason has been good so far. So, but it, re, it remains to be seen if that will translate to the regular season. So, we'll I mean... Pittsburgh, I, they're the double defending champs, so it's tough to totally shit on them. Matt Murray is going to get the net. He, I think, is objectively better than Flurry. I can't argue that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, this this team needs a legitimate third line center, somebody that can that can spot second line minutes. They're going to get Riley Sheehan, and it's going to be for Derek Pouliot. And can, at this point, he, I'm he has shown in the past he can be good, but his last recent sample size has been bad. Can he fill in for Gino as a second line center in patches? No, that, but that's games? who can who can. Well, Benino could fill it in for five or six games. Yeah, he caught magic with Hagland and, oh, by the way, this guy named Phil Kessel. Kessel. Well, he'd be, not, he'd... Not, a, not a classic. All, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that the third-line center role on this team needs to have the ability to play second-line minutes for 20-ish games. Yeah, that's how they're structured. You're not and, they don't, and I don't need them to be Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. I just need them to be competent enough that when they're on the ice, they're not caved in. Well, that's nice of you to not think that they have to be the two of the top five centers of this entire I just don't. Some people often try to make that comparison, and it's a little unfair. Jake Gensel's great. He's going to be a stud. Connor Sherry will be a nice complimentary player. Yeah, they had to pay Connor Sherry, but he'll be a nice complimentary player. They're still paying Carl Haglin. Carl Haglin couldn't be worse than he was last year. I expect a bounce back for him. I don't know. It's not going to be an HBK bounce back, but I do believe you're going to get more out of him. Patrick Hornquist is going to be what he is. He's he's pretty steady with what he is. He is who he is. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not the saying it's contract, a bad thing. The next contract might be a bad thing. Well, you know, that that's not a 2017-18 no. Not predicting the division preview thing. No. The problem here is Matt Cullen, even though I didn't think he was as great as some people thought last year, he produces offense in the the minutes he's given. Wasn't driving possession anymore, but now your best third-line center 
prospect is moving Gensel, which I don't think they're going to do, or Carter Rowney. That's not ideal. No. Which, and I don't expect them to start the season with that. I think Riley Sheehan will be the third line center. You don't think Greg McKegg will be? Great hockey name, but no. It is. <laughs> they are, it's, it's the first time in a while where, you know, there's the Zach Aston Reese, um, Teddy Bluger, you know, Daniel Sprong. There are some expectations. Sprong's super in, intriguing, and so is Zach Aston Reese. But are the they going to make the team? The issue for Sprong is that, you know, he had that one wasted year having to go back to junior. So. One or two? Well, he can go two. He can go to the AHL. No, 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 no. They, they, halfway through his NHL year, had to send him to juniors. Oh, they could have sent him to the AHL. I would be willing to argue that they would not have needed to send him to juniors the next year. Yeah. I think he would have, uh, you know. Yeah. Iron the kinks out. Shitty transfer rule. Official stance of the Hockey Hurts podcast. Fuck the <laughs> CHL transfer agreement. Very official. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, this roster is fine to make the playoffs. It, it's got a couple of holes they need to fill, and as you tried to make sure I didn't panic earlier on in the offseason, they will have the third and the fourth line center all sorted out. Hopefully, Riley Sheen ends up being the fourth line center. I I think that's realistic. I think over the course of the year, Rutherford has shown the ability to be brave with some trades, and I don't want that to be considered a criticism. He he's he has done a lot of great things for, for are, the Penguins. There are players coming towards the end of contracts and stuff like that that you could slot into a third line role. And pay a price to go for the three P. Tyler Bozak being one. Yeah. Who you could so, pay for. Oh, I got coyotes barking right now. We're not on the Pacific Division, you motherfuckers. <laughs> There's an old apple field by me. They're barking their asses off. <laughs> Do they know OEL has a knee injury? Probably not. Well, I don't know. Stupid, that's, stupid that's, coyotes. That sucks. Anywho. <clears throat> Adam Johnson is a nice uh, out-of-nowhere kind of thing for Pittsburgh, and I'm going to start tracking that. Not willing to make any bold predictions about it, but his his track record and I think the USHL and in college, very offensive-minded player, great results was a forward who manned the power play uh, in college. So I think when you put a forward on defense, it speaks to his abilities. Well, I think. To, yeah. Because I remember my favorite power play that I uh, saw front row next to the aisle that the Penguins walked out of. Yeah, this is a not-so-humble brag, but... Uh, it was 01 at the Igloo, and the power play in front of me was Mario Lemieux, Kevin Stevens in front, Yammer Yager, 
with Straka and Kovalev on the point. I was going to say, had to have Kovalev on the point, didn't it? Oh, fuck yeah. It was, I'd never seen a puck move like that. I was, it was, it was really a mental hockey ejaculation for me. (laughs) I was blown away. So, like, not only, like, I hadn't seen Mario pre-retirement. I just, I didn't see him. So I saw him up in the CE section. I don't know. Uh, One of my good friends was going to school in Pittsburgh at the time. So we went to a game. And I can't remember if it was uh, Alexei Kovalev or Martin Straka. It was against the Devils. One of those two got a hat trick. The Penguins were actually down 3-0 against the Devils in 01. And I was like, fuck this game. I cannot believe this is my first Mario Lemieux game. (laughs) And, you know, he was laboring. Like, I think his back was hurting. And I'm like, fuck this. I hate the fucking Devils. (laughs) And they came back and won it in overtime before the shootout. And I think it was Kovalev or Straka that got the hat trick. The place was fucking wild. People throwing hats left and right. I was so happy. Fucking Marty Broder, get bent. <laughs> but um, that power play was, yeah. You you tell me who's better than that. Give me an iteration with you'd have you'd have to. Enhance. They lost the game in overtime. I'll throw that out there. But but I did get to hear John Barbaro announce a Mario Lemieux. Goal. You see, yeah. when I went to he, Pittsburgh, he, I he he'd stopped when I went to Pittsburgh in 2010, and it was the one thing I wanted to hear was him was to him just call the goals. And I chills, to, man, chills. I, I was so thrilled. My wife, yeah. God bless you, John Barbaro. I love you so much. You are the soundtrack of so many great moments uh, for my childhood, and. Man, it's so great. I I almost wish that, like, you know how Derek Jeter used to have Bob Shepard continue to announce his name when he went up to the plate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really wish goal scored by Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Um, they'd keep that. But it's no diss on Ryan Mills. But, you know, you're replacing a legend. You can't be too upset that people. Yeah. Or attached to it is what it is isn't it and john barbaro was a, a high school principal from what i gather so um very biased feelings towards <laughs> other fellow people in the education profession so i don't know i don't have too much more to add no i, think I know we... we've i know we've gone long people may fast forward but you know i thought this was a good podcast was we got a bit off our chest and it was um informative i believe so if you want to rate us on itunes um i don't know if we want you to (laughs) (laughs) yes we do yeah we got some cold-blooded ones last month but yeah you know i still encourage it uh, you can get my blogs at hockeyhurts.com like, lately. 
Um, gosh, I had to really struggle to figure out how to post that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made it simple. It's been a while. We're all good now. We're back to normal. <laughs> you can it's find him years. at Gunner Stall. You can find me at, at Walshy66. We've got at Hockey underscore Hertz. We are on Facebook. Positive or negative reviews, preferably positive on iTunes would be preferable. Um, but at least it helps get the word out in regards to what we are as a podcast. So thank you very much for that too. Cam. I'm proud of what we said at the beginning of the podcast. So And forever the internet will have our opinions on that, and I don't regret any of it. No, let's just remember to timestamp it. Yep. So that wraps up the four weeks of division previews. We are staring the beginning of the NHL season in the face. Oh, thank God. We very much look forward to covering it. Uh, I will be writing on HockeyBuzz.com for non-political <laughs> Penguins-related stuff. So, until next time, we'll see you. Bye.